Hello, lab experts. Welcome once again to the Rock Diagnostics Podcast. In today's episode, we talk about sickle cell disease or sickle cell anemia. It's a disease you've probably heard about a lot, and it probably affects people in different countries. But today, we want to talk about the role of medical laboratory scientists in the management of this disease and how we can help alleviate the suffering of the populations and our communities. And to do that, we are here today with a medical laboratory scientist, Daniel Landy, joining us from Nigeria. How are you doing today, Daniel? Hey, I'm doing fine. Good evening. Uh, thanks a lot for taking the time to be here with us today to talk about this actually quite important problem that we've been having for a very long time. And it seems we haven't yet found a serious um, solution to. And I think it's going to take a lot of us coming together to talk about it and to discuss potential solutions before we get to a point where it can be actually contained. But before we get into the details and talk about sickle cell anemia, tell us who is Daniel Landy. Um, okay, good evening, everyone. My name is Daniel Landy, and I'm a medical laboratory scientist by profession. And I'm also a sickle cell advocate, and that's one of those things I do for volunteerism. And I came across rock diagnostics on LinkedIn some months back, and then we're here now. And uh, over the years, I've been fully involved into uh, clinical laboratory practice with my few years of experience post-college uh, education. And then I picked interest in sickle cell advocacy because of uh, some close friends that I've lost and how I see the trend and it's something that should be alarming anyway. So um, in the course of our discussion, I hope to bring us abreast with some things that I've put down to help us see how as scientists will play our roles to cope the menace and see how it doesn't transcend from this generation to the next. Thank you. Yeah, we really want to stop that, stop the spread from this generation to the next. And before we get into talking about us as medical laboratory scientists, maybe you can quickly talk about the public. Um, where you are, is the public really aware of sickle cell anemia or what is the level of awareness around you, according to you? Well, um, like I would I'll say from experience, I, I have partnered with uh, quite a number of sickle cell foundation. And then it's, it's more like a me and you thing. It's me and my friends thing. But the general populace don't even see it like that. I'm from the northern part of Nigeria where at some point in time I was traveling in a bus and I overheard some people discussing, they were talking about sickle cell. And someone said that in Hausa language, someone said that, uh, uh, did you go to check on this person? They were discussing about someone. And then they were like, ah, God even gave them this sick child. So, you know, it's the, it, it, we so believe in, in Africa generally, I think they're more religious and uh, would I say logical about things like this? We believe that everything that comes to us comes from God. Yes, it's God then, but he still gave us the ability to make choices. And then the only way we we'll take informed decisions about this is when we actually decide to go logical about it. Because genetics doesn't change, it doesn't lie, and you cannot find your way around it. I've seen instances when AS and ES get married, and then they will believe, okay, it's just 25% of the child you give birth to that will turn AS, uh, SS. But you find out that first, second, and third children all come out as SS. And you would wonder, 
you play your mind around science and really can't figure that out. And I think uh, the awareness level is quite low. Few persons that are well-educated may know about it, but you'd ask yourself, what do they do to get the others that are not educated about it to know? Yeah. Uh, the awareness level is quite low. And then I feel it has to do, it has a lot to do with uh, the grassroots. We have to start from scratch. We have to let the younger ones know about all of these things and prepare their minds before they get to that point in time in life when they will need to find a partner and settle. So when they are fully aware of, okay, this is, this is, this is what leads to this condition, they should be able to, you know, stay away from it. It's not like it's a yeah. bad thing totally, but if you do, we, 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 the populace need to know that we shouldn't take selfish decisions, so to say, in the name of love, you know, because most times people don't even know about these things. It doesn't cost much to go and have your genotype test done. And I think uh, the government's role in this is to probably uh, make it mandatory for genotype testing to be part of premarital tests. Aside just uh, HIV and AIDS, hepatitis and you know, syphilis, HIV, uh, G- HB genotype, that's a genotype testing should be an, uh, a mandatory requirement before yeah. marital testing. What you're saying is actually comforting me in an idea I've been thinking about for the last couple weeks, which actually has to do with sickle cell anemia. And it was um, having and uh, going towards some of the high schools, some of the students in high schools, and then talking to them about sickle cell anemia, what it is, and also what the testing is and why it needs to be done before marriage. And I think, like you said, that the grassroots going younger is something that's going to be helpful because they're the ones that are actually going to be getting married soon in a couple of years, maybe five, ten years. And so it's important to go out and talk to our younger ones so that they know what is actually coming. Because if they don't know, then of course they can't protect themselves. And if they can't protect themselves, nothing uh, can can really be done about this disease. But for, let's say, those that are a bit older, maybe they're already in university, they're getting ready to marry already. According to you, what would be the best way of changing their minds if um, of enlightening them on this disease? Like, does it have to come through a certain set of people? Is it medical doctors? Is it pastors? What's the route? What would be the best way to go about doing that? Um, I would say it's an all-inclusive approach that we're supposed to employ here. You see, um, the first way to get the minds of the youth now, as those in tertiary institutions and beyond, you know, the, the easiest way to get their attention now is the social media. Social media mm-hmm. engagement is very important. Even though sometimes you make a post, we see a lot of these uh, sickle cell foundations make posts to create awareness, but very little reactions or engagements are accorded to such posts. So I feel... Um, the doctors have their roles to play in the hospitals. Then uh, scientists also have their own roles to play. Very importantly, to make sure your diagnosis is correct. You need to have your controls done properly, you know, to give valid results. Not the case where you find, okay, when you come to this lab, you get this result. When you go to the next, you get another result. And it gets it gets confusing. You know, yeah. uh, that, if that happens, the youth would not, the, the, the clients definitely would not trust the process. Uh, I think basically it should be a media team and then uh, a public enlightenment. I would sit in front of the television and listen for a very long time. I would, I would barely hear them making announcements about things like this. 
probably I, I can't remember the last time I had a normal or general announcement on the TV or radio station talking about trying to get tested to know your genotype, trying to know your partner. Okay, what is the perfect genotype for you to marry? What not to marry? You know. So some of these things, I believe um, the awareness just needs to be an all-inclusive thing. At the community level, you you need the, the, the local chiefs to be informed about this. You know, we believe so much in what our leaders tell us, especially at that grassroots level. You go to a local community, you may you may come as uh, part of an organization or someone, you want to, okay, this is the message I carry, this is what I intend to get you informed about. But they may not believe you as much as they would believe what their local chief or traditional ruler will tell them. So, you know, that is the role of, that is that, that, that is one of the roles that they can play. So it's an all-inclusive thing. Everybody needs to be involved so that at the end of the day, we see that the number of sickle cell warriors drops down. Yeah, we need that. And at some point you talked about situations where you go from one lab to the other and you're not always getting the same results. And so sometimes that uh, discourages some patients. In those cases, what's, what would you recommend someone that's maybe is, uh, in, the, in the general public that maybe this is happening to, what's the best course of action they could take? Let's say they've gone to two different laboratories and then the results they are getting, they're not seeing any sort of um, coherence. Yeah, you know, definitely when they're conflicting results in sensitive tests like this, the patient will just, you wouldn't even know which to believe. But the truth is, he would believe the one he, the type of results he wants. If I'm a client and I want to go and check my genotype and I prepare for marriage and I love this girl and I go for tests, I would, I would believe the lab that tells me I'm AA and I'll prefer that result to the lab that would tell me I am AS if I am really AS. Yes. And then on the part of uh, scientists or everybody working in the lab, the medical lab scientists, the technicians, there are multiple sources of errors. You know, it comes at different, the three phases, the preclinical, analytical, and uh, the preanalytical, analytical, and uh, post-analytical. So we have to be very careful knowing our standards and controls and making sure it is verified, you know. And then it's something that uh, needs caution and it's not something you just do carelessly if you have multiple samples and you're not sure you can do all at once you can take them one at a time depending on how much time you have they turn around time or not you i'm just i'm just an advocate of the controls must be right and then you should be sure of whatever results you're producing in your lab because it does a lot to the economy okay the 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 uh the financial status, the, the profit making of that lab, the confidence boost you're giving your clients, you know, and then probably the referral. Every good result you give and it's of good quality, would would you definitely get referrals passively without any active effort. If I come if I have a client that comes to my lab and I give him a good result, he's sure. I am sure myself. He goes anywhere, that result is the same. Definitely you should have confidence in you, okay. When I came to Sususu and Solab, I got this result and I believe it's right because I've gotten the same result everywhere else. So, but when there's this uh, uh, contradicting results, you go here, it's this, you go there, it's that. It's a very big problem. So what our advice is, personally, I've had an incident where someone came, the result of the child is SS, but he did not believe. He went out to two different places. He got ASAS. He came back to my own lab at the hospital I was training then, you know, to create a scene. So I said, wait. Is your wife AS? 
He said his wife is AA, he is AS. I said, I want you and your wife to come. You know, I test, I collected their both samples, not just me. Three yeah. of us tested, and they were all ASAS. So mathematically, logically speaking, having an SS child is not an impossibility. Then we retested the child and discovered his SS. So, you know, at first he was at rage and feeling upset. But after going through that process, even though it cost me my time, resources and all, I still proved to him that, okay, what we generated there was good and you know the the yard peace of mind he already yeah. felt at peace that okay getting what you want is not really what you have or what you deserve at at, at some point in time so mm -hmm. it's, 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 it has a lot to do with being cautious and selective about quality so yeah. that's that's my take on it yeah and i guess in this story one thing we also need to remember is as a medical laboratory scientist you also have to make sure you're patient with your patients and that you take your time to actually listen to them because if someone comes and then the person is upset yes you might think you're in the right but the person is upset for a reason telling them that they are wrong is not necessarily what's going to allow them to calm down and usually in those cases you need the yeah. person to calm down so listening to them is something that's going to be helpful already as a starting point in those sorts of situations now what else do we need to do as medical laboratory scientists to help okay um aside the awareness part where i said it has to go from grassroots and then also the next step would be putting all sense of cautiousness when carrying out the test from the sampling the preparation the uh, setting your machines ensuring that power failure is not is not even something you associated with in a piece of work or is the one that because is the hardest there are different factors that affect <laughs> well we, we understand that power is not is not assured yeah. and also trying to get uh, abreast with current trends revolving around some of these things. I've met persons that, okay, you see AS, you know AS, you see AA, you know AA, you see SS, you know, but when you see AC, because it's the first time you're seeing it, you just assume it's one of those things and you know, you can see AC and think it's AS if you're not if you're not sure of it yeah. or you don't know or you've not seen it before. So I think uh, talking about attending uh, programs that revolve around knowledge of this and then uh, reading about it also, it will help a lot. Then also trying to partner with like-minded persons. I understand that uh, as a medical lab scientist, there are various fields you can you can engage yourself in. There are different things you can do. But when it comes to uh, sickle cell management, there are a lot of foundations that will need a lot of help from you. You can do a lot of things for them. Some weeks back, I, 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 I was part of a team that went to a school for blind children just to educate them about uh, sickle cell. And then we also tested about 107 of them. You know, So these are some of the little things you could do. It doesn't necessarily have to be all about money, I understand. But then these are these are things that would play as our roles as scientists to ensure that this thing doesn't go beyond this generation. So it's not just about talking about it, but even something as simple as giving a little bit of your time to go to uh, a place and then help an organization that already has the structure in place to do the testing is something that's already extremely impo important because it allows people to know their status. And then from there, they can make an informed decision in a lot more easily. Now, speaking, going back a bit to the idea of um, errors. And now there are multiple kinds of techniques that could be used for the testing. Now, let's say, um, are there some more advanced techniques that 
patients could have access to, let's say, where you are, are unsure about the results they have been obtaining? Is it extremely expensive? Is it less expensive? How does it work? Um, well, you know, uh, science keeps advancing on a daily. And then uh, whenever you have clients just walk into your facility and want to do tests, you give them your, your variety of tests, like your test menu, which would contain the price list also. And then you would recommend, you make recommendations based on what you feel is good for that client at that point in time. So the choice is theirs. There are things yeah. like, uh, aside uh, hemoglobin electrophoresis, that's for determining genotype testing. You know, the genotype has gone uh, rapid. It has gone to rapid testing now. There are kits for determining genotype and they're so little. Even though I wouldn't advise that because I believe the hemoglobin electrophoresis is best for determining genotype, basically. And then there's this uh, hemoglobin quantification too. Though it's more expensive than obtaining a normal genotype electrophoresis results, but the quantification would give you the percentage of each of these variants in the person's blood. So basically, if the person can't afford that quantification, then I think hemoglobin electrophoresis is, is, is quite affordable. In Nigeria, I think basically on an average, it costs about 1,500 Naira to 2,500 Naira. And this is something that, you know, when you do genotype once, it doesn't change. It's not something that you do it now, you do it next year, you change it. So, and especially when, uh, like I said, when you enlighten the young ones and they've come of age, you can, they can do it from that young age. They can do it when they've grown up. But it does, it's not something that changes. So you, you can do it just once, you'll be fine. If you want to do the uh, hemoglobin electrophoresis, it's okay, it's affordable. If you if you probably got a result you're not too comfortable with or you're not too sure and you want to confirm it, there's uh, there, there, there's always space, there's always room for this, uh, like I said, quantification. That will give different variants in percentage. You know, the one, your blood, your, 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 the, the genotype you carry would obviously be of a higher percentage in the result. So sometimes you'll find, okay, if, if this person is AS, AS would have higher percentage of maybe less than 45% A, 38% or, uh, or 30 or 35% S, you know, then the rest would be like S, C, you know? So quantification is, is just like the, the bus stop because when you do that, you know that this is where it stops. And it's the yeah. most uh, user-friendly kind of results, such that you see that it is in percentage, and that that alone explains it all to you. You know which one you have most in your body. So I think uh, that is it. Those two. And going back a bit towards the idea of um, marriage, I guess that's something that people tends to be um, tend to be very interested in. I remember a couple of years ago, if I, I think it was a couple of years ago, probably around 2017, 2018, I was doing a presentation on sickle cell anemia. It was some students. And then one of the questions they asked me was, um, then if two people are, let's say, AS, do you recommend, what would you say about people who are AS and who are trying to get married? What would be your recommendation? Not necessarily as a medical laboratory scientist, but you yourself. Well, um... Now, not just in laboratory scientists, there's like a chat for that. And it's readily available anywhere you search for it on the internet. The truth is, you see, 
AS and AS is not compatible. And it's because of the obvious reasons, you understand? Uh, this uh, Mendelian uh, theory, yeah, where you cross, uh, yes. Yeah. After crossing each AS and AS meeting, there's 25% chance of getting an AA, there's 50% chance of getting AS, and there's 55% chance of getting SS. But these things, like I said previously, they're not, uh, they're not ours to determine and you wouldn't really say this is when the AS would come, this is when the SS child would come. This is so the best thing is just to avoid it. So AS can only marry AA. AA can marry SS and also AA uh, AS. So AA, let me say, let me put it this way: AA is the only one that has that liberty to pick any spouse. But once you've you, you've done your genital testing and it is shown that you are AS. You don't have that, you don't have so much margin for error. That's yeah. just the truth. And it's the only way we can cut this thing down. Because uh, you'll be very surprised the 21st century, despite the awareness and all, you just say it's not enough. You still find out that babies are being given birth on a daily and at the end of the day, they turn out to be SS. You ask yourself why. I know of, uh, I know of a hospital I worked for that... Uh, a nurse in the hospital got married to a pharmacist. These are these are these are people that you would say, or anyone in the society would say, okay, they are they are well knowledgeable about stuff like this. But would you say it's love? Would you call it what ignorance? I wouldn't know. But they got married. They have they have three kids. Two are a sickle cell patients, a sickle cell uh, uh, patient. So what would you attribute that to? Despite the fact that they are health personnel, you understand. So yeah. the awareness is, it cannot be overemphasized. That's just the truth. And it's not a case of you choosing love over reality because it's the same God that made love that still allowed us to make choices. So the person you're to marry or you're in love with and you feel like you want to take it to the next level and settle down with, you have to go through these basics. Let that person understand that, okay, regardless of the pain you feel at that moment, you're saving a child, an unborn child, the pain of having to live on drugs for almost all his life. You know, this this sickle cell thing has a lot of limitation, and I feel sorry for I feel sorry for those that that outrightly feel like it's okay to ignore being sensitive to choosing spouse when it comes to genotype. I really feel sorry for them because I always kick against it, and will not stop kicking against it till we find out that this thing has come to an end. Hopefully, one day. Yeah, I think people, a lot of people underestimate the uh, the probabilities. They hear 25%, they hear one in four. And I mean, that's just a simplification. It's statistics. It's on paper. That's theoretical. Yeah. Theoretically, one in four. It doesn't mean that in every case, what is going to happen is that if you have four children, only one of them is going to be SS. No, you could have all your four children being SS. That's actually a possibility. And so I think people really underestimate that when they hear one in four, they think, well, it's going to be like there's the there's the hope. They are hoping that yeah, it's going to be fine. They are hoping, okay, let's try and let's see what happens. The problem is at the end of the day, if it happens, you can't change it. What is done is done. And it's the life that is the child that will have to live with it. So something that needs to be taken into account before getting into a marriage. Now, as part of your advocacy, when you discuss with um, couples, 
that have already had children who are suffering from the disease? What are some of the methods they try to use to to ensure that their child stays healthy? Okay, um, we call them caregivers. You know, it's, it's actually, it feels offensive calling a sickle cell patient a sickler, even though that's the common name, you know, mm-hmm. but... Uh, over time, it feels, it sounds offensive, and you know, it, it messes with their psychology a lot. So we prefer to tag them warriors because it's like they, they battle all their lives. So, and whenever we come across these caregivers, the only encouragement, the first encouragement is to admit that this was a mistake, but God does not make mistakes. Every sickle cell warrior was born into the world for a purpose. You understand? So the, the, the better they love that person, the, the earlier they, they admit that and love and show love, care, concern to that warrior, the better. Because sometimes a lot of warriors face rejection, they face a lot of stigmatization, they, they get deprived a lot of uh, benefits, even in the society. And it's, it's, it's dampening on their confidence and uh, their mental health. I know of uh, a, a friend who is a warrior that's, was offered an appointment for a job. It sounded, it looks, it looks fine, you know, but on accepting, on writing her acceptance letter for that job, she stated that this is her medical condition. She is a sickle cell warrior and may fall ill from time to time. They should put that into consideration, you know. It was with the, the, the offer was, was withdrawn, you know, and it's not the first time we're seeing this. It's not the second time. A lot of times, they, there's this they, they, they tend to get some physical deformities at times, you know, uh, things like uh, osteolysis, uh, all those uh, deformities, and it becomes a problem even in the society. They face that badly. So most times, the rejection should not come from within. That's the, that's the first advice. The, the caregiver should accept that this person is born for a purpose. And surprising enough, or it's not even surprising, funny enough, most or all sickle cell warriors I know are just sharp. You, you hardly find a sickle cell warrior that is dull or timid or quiet. They're always bright. They're sharp. They, they can be stubborn, you know. You tell them this is what and what you should adhere to, this is what you should avoid, what they prefer to do contrary. So I believe there are special sets of people that need utmost care and love. So basically, that's what we always preach to their caregivers. We have cases, times without number, when you discover a person that is a sickle cell warrior born from a mom in a house or a, a mom and dad living in the same house, but faces rejection from within the family, from within the house. So you can imagine how much damage that can do to that person's psychology. From within your own house, you're facing rejection. What's more of outside? You understand? Mm-hmm. So basically, if, if you show them that love, it goes a long way to even making them feel better because most times these things happen in the mind before they happen physical. So if you take care of the mind, the physical is automatically taking care of staying in this direction and talking about sickle cell warriors and their management and management of their disease how can we as medical laboratory scientists help what are some of the tests that um, could be done to help ensure that they have a good idea of what's happening with their health at a part at any 
period in time? You know, um, some of the things that are common to the peculiar to their own cases, uh, many times they have this hepatomegaly, this uh, swelling of uh, the liver, also spleen, splenomegaly. So sometimes, most times, uh, from time to time, you need to check the kidneys. There's renal function tests. You also need to do liver function tests for them to check the system if all these things are working out fine. Also give them advice like uh, always trying to stay uh, hydrated. It's very important for them. It keeps them away from being looking pale, you know, and then allows good and proper function of uh, the... Also, uh, we do routine checks for their PCV levels. And also another test that is uh, very important and essential for them is the calcium test. Yes, to check their calcium levels because they they, 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 they are prone to having uh, issues regarding bone, you know, and functions, all these things. And we also basically, aside those routine tests, these are tests that I advise every uh, warrior should do from time to time to keep yourself in check. Even though, you know, they are not tests that comes that, that come for free, you have to go to a lab and cost a fortune sometimes. So yeah. basically the liver function test, the kidney function test, the calcium, and then also a PCV to check levels of the blood. Just to see if there's need for transfusion, you know. And it is always advised that any blood that will be transfused for a sickle cell to a sickle cell uh, warrior should be uh, packed red cells, not just the whole blood, but let it be packed, preferably not to stand for more than a D in the blood bank. And also it should be tested or uh, the genotype of that blood that would be transfused into the warrior should also be tested and confirmed that it is A because you know you would only uh, is like taking two steps forward, one step back when you when you when you transfuse an AS blood to an SS uh, person. So preferably let it be trans let an AA blood be transfused uh, and it should be in a packed form. Thanks a lot. Uh, do you have any uh, final words that you'd like to share? Okay, um, my final words would be sickle cell is not a death sentence. And then there's a lot we can do about changing the narratives so that there will be life and hope for these people that are already suffering from it. And then also try to minimize the number of those that would come. We, don't, we are hoping that in, there's, there's no projection. Funny enough, I find this, this disorder, uh, this disease, a very serious thing. But generally in the health setting, it's not considered with so much. It's not. It's not. It's not considered with so much seriousness. Or is it urgency? I really can't tell. I don't know reasons why that is so. But the the, the awareness for for knowing your genotype cannot be overemphasized. We should keep preaching about these things as often as we can. If you've forgotten your genotype, you should go and check it. It doesn't change anyway. If it's something that you've checked and you know, stick to it and then make informed decisions. When it's time, you, when you've come of age and it's time for you to pick a partner, you shouldn't make the mistake of choosing love over reality. It's very important to ensure that sickles or, or genotype testing is part of your premarital test. The same way you'll be afraid when you discover that the person you're intending to marry has hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HIV, syphilis, should be the same way you should be afraid for that unborn child when you discover that both of you are not compatible. When your genotypes are not compatible, we should raise an eyebrow to you. And then uh, we should do our best at every point in time to preach about it. It's not a disease that means the end of the world. And then there should be hope for these persons, these warriors to live a normal life. They should be, they should be allowed access to equal opportunities and then uh, it will only go 
a long way in boosting their morale and their confidence and it would make them be productive because I've seen warriors do a lot of good things and you really find none of them dull. I have a lot of friends. I interact with a lot of them from different foundations and they're doing so well. When you just give them an opportunity, try also and have it in mind that these people are not strong on their own. And then to warriors, my advice would be that the weather is changing. Where I am now in Nigeria, we're, we're, we're in the rainy season. The weather gets cold. You should keep yeah. warm. Do your do's and then avoid your don'ts. That's just it. And I wish everyone yeah. the best. Thank you. Uh, I think you're saying sickle cell doesn't have as much, um, let's see, people don't talk as much about it. I think it suffers from one of the issues that many chronic diseases suffer from, which is that people, I don't know, it tends to be the case that for most chronic diseases, because they stay for a long period of time, people, there isn't always that sense of urgency. So usually they tend to be things that you need to talk a lot about and over time, so that people can, so that it actually gets into people's minds. If it's some things like, I guess, acute diseases get a lot more going on what about them, see? mostly yeah. because they kill a lot faster. Exactly. There's that fear that is there. The people are very scared. So when something is slower, people tend to be a bit more nonchalant about it. And that's, I think, that one of the issues with this particular disease. But I think as more people like you talk about it, as more of us discuss it, it's going to get a lot better and things are only going to keep getting better with time. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us today about sickle cell disease. I can feel you are very passionate about it. Hopefully we'll have you very soon again to talk a little more about sickle cell anemia. If people are interested in talking to you and discussing more about this topic, where can they find you? Where should they get in contact with you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn as uh, Daniel Landy, and I'm also on Facebook as Daniel Landy. Thanks a lot for being here with us today, Daniel, and hopefully we'll see you next time. And Thank you medical laboratory scientists, uh, lab experts, we'll see you next time also to talk more MedLab.